Hello, I'm Angelina. And I'm Martin. And this is the CX Cast. So welcome to CX Cast. We're joined today by Joanna de Cantonia. This is the first of three episodes we're going to do covering the keynote arc we presented at CX Amir, our conference in Europe in May. So what we wanted to look at with the conference and how we staged the keynotes was a journey across three different core parts. And in response to everything we're seeing going on in the environment at the moment, the economic environment, there's a war in Europe, there's a crisis all over the place, pandemic hasn't really gone away. It's tense times for most businesses. And it would be very easy for firms to respond to that by trying to, well, obviously everyone wants to save money, but be kind of battening down the hatches and being very risk averse. But at Forrester, we actually believe that targeted innovation is the answer to your problems that you face. But targeted innovation in a kind of one, two, three story. One is really deeply understanding the customer need. So really, really getting underneath what do your customers want for you? Part two, build innovative solutions, collaborate to build solutions that solve those problems and satisfy your customer goals. And part three, measure that so you you understand you're building the right things that drive tangible business growth. So one, two, three. And we're going to start with one because the key to creating alignment is deeply understanding your customer needs. And that's what Joanna presented at the conference. So welcome, Joanna. Or welcome back, even. Thank you. Nice to be here. And I'm excited to be talking about this topic. And yeah, and you're going to talk about empathy, not to release any spoilers, but empathy kind of sits at the core of our understanding of customer needs. There's loads of different ways we can research and understand a customer. So why did you get to empathy as a topic? Yeah, so the reason we focused on empathy, for one, it's it's a topic that we've all talked about a lot, at least uh, within the context of customer experience, of design thinking. It's an important topic. What I noticed was that it was a topic that was coming up a lot in uh, client conversations we were having, but also in a lot of material that technology companies, vendors were sharing. So there was this, this, this theme that was popping up all over the place in different contexts and really this need to take a look at empathy and perhaps a more nuanced look at empathy. So what do we actually mean by empathy? How do we do empathy well? Because, you know, the problem with terms that get thrown around a lot is that we end up assuming we all understand the same thing when we say the term. But actually, there's a lot more to empathy, we found out in the research, um, than meets the eye or than people initially assume. So we felt there's some level setting that is required, and there's a more nuanced view and understanding of empathy that's required within customer experience. I remember from when I used to do academic research on empathy, you kind of feel a little bit stuck. You want to empathize more. You grow up being polite and thinking politeness maybe is empathy. But when it becomes something where the stakes are higher and you have to empathize or you will really maybe even upset a customer, how do we actually approach empathy so we avoid those missteps? And what are those missteps? Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the parts of the research that I found most fascinating um, is we wanted to understand what some of the, the missteps or pitfalls are of empathy. So important first to say that one particular definition that I like of empathy and the one that we are using is empathy is the art of stepping imaginatively into the shoes of another person understanding their feelings, their perspectives, and then using that understanding to guide our actions. 
So we're focusing on feelings, perspectives, that stepping imaginatively is important as well. And we're really looking at empathy and how we use empathy to drive action. But it's easier said than done. So we did find that there are a number of perils of empathy. Empathy can actually be speculative. When we lack context, we might assume something that is actually incorrect about a particular situation. It can also be selective when we struggle to put ourselves into somebody else's shoes because they're not in our in-group or they live uh, somewhere else, or they're from a different culture. So it can actually be quite difficult for us to put ourselves into into somebody's shoes, hence stepping imaginatively (laughs) into somebody's shoes. It can also be incapacitating. We can end up over-empathizing. And this is something that happens a lot also, for instance, in a a call center context, right, where you have agents, customer-facing employees that are speaking to customers every single day we can actually fall into what's called empathic distress or even empathic fatigue when we're just like, we can't take anything else in, right? We're sort of at an overload. Empathy can also be dehumanizing sometimes when we fall into judgment. We might think that somebody doesn't need empathy or deserve it, or we might think that they're being overly dramatic, right? So we can actually end up dehumanizing somebody. And another thing which I've also found incredibly important is that empathy needs to be situationally appropriate, right? So a lot of people think, for instance, that empathy and efficiency are at odds with each other. And actually, they're not, because actually, sometimes in some situations, the most empathic thing to do is to actually be efficient in answering a customer's question, right? We had a great example of somebody who needed to do something to renew their passport or solve an issue with their passport. They're about to hit a tunnel. So what they needed was a really fast answer from that agent and not an overly empathetic one. So efficiency and empathy actually can go very much hand in hand. And so we need to think about empathy in a way that is situationally appropriate. But empathy doesn't just mean doing everything your customer wants, does it? It's, it's, and, and I know in the research, you've, you've, kind of, you've created this framework, another one, two, three thing of spark, nurture, and fire up empathy. So talk us through kind of how you structured the findings from the research, how you're recommending people think about the topic of empathy. So the key thing that we found in the research is that you need to reach what is the right point of empathy. And actually, that is quite a complicated thing to do and something that indeed sort of has a number of phases to it. So we need to, as you mentioned, start by sparking empathy within our organization. So how do we actually even start people thinking about the customer? But we also need to nurture that ember. We need to do a number of things to actually look more internally within the organization to make sure that we are nurturing that ember. And then we need to fire things up. So let me give you some examples of some of the things that happen in each one of those phases. So when we're talking about sparking empathy within the organization, we're talking first and foremost about aligning on who we are empathizing with, right? If you have 15 personas within your organization, that may be necessary, but we need to know who we're empathizing with, right? We can't empathize with 15 personas at the same time. So first we need to align. And of course, empathy is multi-layered. And, you know, we are often empathizing with multiple types of customers, but we need to first align on who we're empathizing with. We need to then really do do the work of connecting with the human being behind the experience. So that means quantitative as well as qualitative data. 
That means going deeper into understanding somebody's context, their intent, how they're feeling, how they're behaving, what's their thinking, what's their mental model that they're using in order to solve for that problem. So actually connecting with the customer is a uh, more complex thing than just looking at Google Analytics or looking at one piece of data about what somebody's doing. And then you need to also, and this is particularly if you're trying to drive innovation within your organization, we need to also use uh, what we call provocations, things that actually spark creativity, that get us a little bit out of our heads and get us thinking in new ways about how we solve problems for customers. So that's sparking empathy within the organization. But that's not enough. What we found in the research is that once you've sparked that empathy and you've told that stories, you've aligned, you've connected within the organization, you need to also right-size that empathy, right? So coming back to what you were saying, Martin, about we don't want to just, you know, sort of based on one piece of data, for instance, right, empathize with a customer and change everything that we're doing uh, within the organization. We want to actually make sure that we are using what's called quantified empathy, right? We are empathizing with the human behind the experience, but then we're actually looking at how many customers go through this. How do we right-size this to make sure we understand the magnitude of the problem and also what it costs us, right, potentially, or the impact that it has on our organization. So we do get to that quantification and the business results behind. So we're not over-indexing on what one customer is telling us, and we're really looking at the right things to focus on. But within that sort of nurturing the ember phase, we need to also make sure that we're bringing people within the organization along. What that means basically is turning empathy inward, understanding what is the resistance within the organization? Who are the skeptics? Who do we need to convince? How do we get buy-in? So we need to also use what's called audience empathy, turn empathy inward in order to make sure that we actually drive that action, right? So going back to our definition, it's about creating empathy, but then using that understanding to drive action. So we need that empathy turned inward as well. And then in the sort of firing up phase of the empathy framework, we're looking at how do we actually then take that and really empower people within the organization to act on those pieces of information and that empathy. So how do we enable employees, customer facing and behind the scenes, right? We're not just talking about customer facing here. It's also behind the scenes. And then sort of keep kindling that fire, keep those insights, really feeding those into the organization so that you also get different perspectives and you use that to drive both incremental as well as transformational innovation within your organization. So that's sort of the framework. I've simplified a little bit here and there, but hopefully that gives you an idea of the different things that need to happen. You bring up the point about empathy in context which is kind of interesting because when Maxie Schmidt came on, she talked about value for customer and value for customer being a perception in context. One of the examples we've used in the past is the value of Spotify, for instance, as a service. The value of Spotify to a vinyl collector is nil when they're at home. Yet when they're on an airplane without their record player, suddenly the value equation changes. Mm -hmm. So I, like empathy feels somewhat similar in that I might be angry. I might have just crashed my car. Anything could have happened in my world, or I could be really chilled out and happy, and I'm going to be in a different emotional state at that point where I engage with the brand. So how I know there are like tools out there that will scan for emotion. There are all sorts of things like that. So what, what else have you learned about how to account for all these different states and, and ways in which customers interact? So I think that one of the things that's really important, and I think that some companies um, sort of uh, underestimate the importance of, is starting with the qualitative, right? To uncover 
the why, right? Why is somebody interacting with you? Not just what are they doing, but what are they trying to get done? And indeed, what are the different contexts in which they're trying to get those things done? So we need to focus more, as you just mentioned, on context, on emotion, on implicit, but also explicit behavior, right? So really understanding what's behind people's actions. So that requires us to use different types of tools. We need to use more immersive and observational tools, which tend to be less utilized in a lot of organizations. So that means really contextualizing experiences, understanding the emotional intensity behind maybe different things that we're trying to do as customers, different situations which might crop up. We need to also do more observational research. So that means understanding not just what product the customer is buying, but how does that product fit into their, their life, their systems, right? How are they customizing those products so that we understand a little bit more about also unarticulated needs that they might have? So immersive and observational research and tools, which and there are many out there, are incredibly important for us to make sure we really understand at a more granular and a more emotional level how customers are interacting with products and services. Of course, we need to also quantify, right? So we need to also do things like measure the business impact, the frequency, prioritization of the different things, do things like driver analysis to make sure that we're focusing on the right thing. So the combination of tools is an important thing. That combination of quant and qual is, of course, a very important thing. And of course, there are many tools out there nowadays that help us to see those things at the same time. So if you take, for instance, journey orchestration tools, many of them are trying to really address that balance between quant and qual so that you can see how a customer is flowing through a journey in real time. You can connect that to maybe the qualitative feedback that they've left behind about the experience so that you can start to see those multiple layers as the customer is interacting with your products and services. But it's really finding a balance between these things, right? Sometimes you need to go out and do the immersive observational research. Then you need to go back and quantify that. And it's that sort of interplay between the two that's really important. I think this is also really valuable to move your project along and get through those gates in the business. Because I have had this experience where I I started with the qualitative. I was working on a project for an insurance company going D to C for the first time. And we hit a wall when they wanted us to quantify. And then we hit a wall when it felt too general and we weren't actually solving the problem. We kept course correcting. And I'm realizing what you were telling me was what we should have just known and had a plan for this whole time because we would have put the steering committee at ease to say, these are the milestones we're going to hit Mm -hmm. and then been free to go through that process versus having to justify through different research at different stages. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, one of the elements in the framework, we talk about showing your work, right? So that's literally like, think about a maths problem that you solved at school. And often the teacher will be like, well, I would have given you full marks if you just shown me the working out of your problem rather than just the answer. You might have even had the right answer, but you need to bring people along, show them the working out, show them the different levels of research that you're doing. But also one thing that we came across in the research is teaching people who are maybe less familiar with qualitative research about what qualitative research is, what actually constitutes a statistically representative number of qualitative interviews, right? The types of insights you get out of qualitative insights and and research. And then, of course, layering that quantification on top of it, right? That can make a huge difference because sometimes we're a little bit, you know, sort of 
we we don't trust maybe the qualitative research when it's incredibly important, but we're trying to get different things out of these different tools and how we combine them. So even just teaching, educating people broadly within the organization about what is qualitative research, how do we combine it with quantitative research can be very, very helpful. I think what's interesting as well is we, the technology is getting to this point where you know, we, on this podcast, we talked about uh, generative AI and all sorts of different kinds of technology, but we're kind of hitting this point where we can make decisions in almost real time about how customers are reacting and we can change a contact center script. We can change a workflow for a, a, an app or a website. Mm-hmm. But I guess that qualitative point is incredibly important here. So we're not over-rotating on customers that aren't valuable to us which is, I guess, where we go with the final part of our one, two, three story, really putting the financial lens over this to say, are we doing the right thing for the customer and for our business rather than, yeah, let's try and keep every single customer happy because we can't. We can't, absolutely. So that sort of concept of quantified empathy, which might sound a little bit like a contradiction because normally we don't put those two things together is so important and so central to doing empathy well and making sure that it's driving the right actions. Yeah, and I find this fascinating because when you first said about a year ago, I want to research empathy, my initial reaction to it was a little bit, well, that's a bit fluffy, isn't it? But I think what you've, what you've shown is there's actually a very hard science behind all of this that we can really drive decisions from in a very structured way. Absolutely. And it's, you know, as you say, the technology is allowing us to do this better. So for instance, let's say that you've got a piece of technology that allows you to look at a session replay, right? And you can see like, God, this customer is really struggling to get this thing done. Click, 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 click. rage, click, right? You can see all of that. Um, But then being able to actually go back and say, hey, there's 75% of our customers who are having a similar problem. That's a totally different proposition, right? Then you can build a business case out of that. And it becomes a no brainer to go go and fix <laughs> that uh, poor person sort of experience. But it's the two things put together that really start to transform how you do business as well with customers. So as a CX team, a CX leader, who hopefully we're speaking to on this podcast, what do you do? You talked about a lot of things. Where do you start? Yeah. So I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that you can go away and do immediately. If there are opportunities to immerse yourself, right, to, you know, sign up for the next opportunity to participate in an immersive or observational research at your organization, that might be listening into a customer call, it might be going along on a sales visit, it might be looking at that session replay, but then, you know, checking, like, do we have a way of quantifying that? So that immersion is really important. As a CX team, we're often doing a lot of that, right, as CX teams, uh, we're at the forefront of that. One thing that you can do as a CX team is also ask yourself, how can we include more people within the organization, right? So how can we start to include other stakeholders in some of that work that we're doing so that that firsthand participation starts to spark more empathy within within your organization? The other thing that you can do as a CX team is to really look carefully at the language that you're using. Language is an incredibly powerful tool when it comes to creating empathy nudges. So you can tweak your language internally within your team, right? You can look at your journey atlas. And I hope that as a CX team, you have one or you're working on one, or at least you've heard of the term. So what are the most important journeys your customers are on? The most important things that they're trying to do? And is the language that you're using really customer centric? Or have you fallen into the trap of using slightly inside out language? That's a really powerful, very sort of practical way of starting to look at. How do you refer to your customer-facing employees? 
right? Are you referring to them as customer service representatives? That's pretty good. But we've seen some companies, for instance, refer to them as service experts, right? Small language tweak, but that really makes a big difference. The last thing that I would sort of recommend doing as a CX team is to kind of look at the journeys you're focusing on and look at how you actually balance the work that you're doing in your roadmaps. Are you focusing predominantly on incremental improvements? Have you quantified some of the things, right, that you've put highest on your priority list? So going back to what we were talking about from a quantified empathy point of view, how have you prioritized things? Have they been quantified? Is there some qualitative research you've done sort of at the base of that? And then try and sort of strike a balance of, you know, sort of leave some room in your backlogs and your roadmaps as well for things that you are learning in real time, in the moment, contextually about your customers. So those are just some of the things that I would recommend. And of course, you know, using the framework, right? The next time that you think about empathy, you start a new project, you focus on a new journey, ask yourself, have we done enough? to empathize with this customer? Have we used the balance of the tools? Have we thought about how they're feeling, how they're behaving, but also their context, how they're thinking? What's their true intent in what they're trying to get done and the value that they're looking for? So some hopefully practical things that you can take away as a CX team and think about. Love it. Thanks for joining us and running us through that. Like I said, I'll probably use this on my next project. So I appreciate the help. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Joanna. And next in our series, we'll look at what we do with these insights, how you actually design solutions that solve the problems that we're unpacking for our customers. So tune in next time. Thank you. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com. Message us on Twitter at CX underscore cast. And as always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.